It's time now for Green Visions, a KUMD production to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. A new report from the Union of Concerned Scientists has found that outdoor workers in Minnesota could lose up to nearly $400 million in wages by mid-century if greenhouse emissions aren't reduced. Rachel Licker is with the Union of Concerned Scientists, and she joins us this morning. Rachel, hi. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for being our guest. Hi. Thanks for having me. Now, Normally, every time someone brings up an environmental concern, it doesn't take very long before someone else starts to talk about effects on jobs. And people are concerned about jobs and the and job loss. A lot of these conversations are framed in a way that we have to quit doing X, Y, Z because it's bad for the environment. And someone else will point out that X, Y, Z is what puts food on their table. You're actually saying in this that if some changes aren't made and if we don't start to do things differently, folks are going to lose employment. That's something we have to hear more about. Tell us a little bit about uh, the origins of the study, where the idea for the study came from to begin with. Yeah, thanks so much. And that's a really great way of framing it. Um, You know, what we did was a couple of years ago, we did a study where we looked at how extreme heat is likely to change across the United States. And we found staggering increases likely if we don't take action quickly on climate change. So we wondered, you know, what would this mean for one of the most exposed groups, and that's outdoor workers. So, you know, the people who work on our farms, the people who work in forestry, who, you know, work in protective service jobs, emergency responders, et cetera. And so what we found was that the extreme heat increases that we project uh, would have really significant tolls for outdoor workers and their earnings. Um, we found, for example, in Minnesota, as you said, nearly $400 million of outdoor worker earnings could be at risk of being lost by mid-century in the state if we don't take action on climate change now. And, you know, this would obviously manifest in all sorts of different ways um, in terms of the services that outdoor workers provide, um, you know, their contributions to the local community, um, in addition to their direct earnings. Tell me a little bit more about how that would work. I'm trying to see how, because obviously with many of these, uh, there are some of these jobs, of course, where people could say, I guess we don't really need, uh, you know, I guess we don't need uh, radio people out at the state fairgrounds doing live reports. And, And so that probably wouldn't change, you know, our culture, our communities that much. But to say, uh, well, I guess we don't need farmers. Well, I guess we don't need um, police officers and ambulance workers. That's a different conversation. So how would these wage losses manifest themselves? People would work fewer hours or their jobs would disappear? How, how, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So, you know, one, what we did was we used guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and prevention, the CDC, on how work time should be adjusted in the face of extreme heat. And we showed, I mean, another way that you can put it, we, we did look at the earnings that could be at risk of being lost 
We also did a study in terms of the number of days that could become unsafe as a result of extreme heat. Um, you know, and in the case of Minnesota, historically, obviously, it won't be a surprise that the state hasn't seen much losses in terms of extreme heat. It's, you know, not known for hot weather. <laughs> I live over in Wisconsin. It's a similar story over here. Um, but, you know, the, the story becomes more pronounced as the century progresses. So by late century, if we didn't take action on climate change, the average outdoor worker in the state could see um, nearly two weeks' worth of unsafe work conditions, um, and we could really limit that growth if we did take action on climate change. Um, so, you know, like you say, there are a lot of jobs that outdoor workers are typically considered essential. You know, we can't choose about whether an emergency responder goes out if there's a fire or a health emergency. Um, so a lot of the times what this boils down to is outdoor workers are put in a position of having to choose between their health and a paycheck because there aren't currently mandatory measures on the books in most states and at the federal level to protect outdoor workers from extreme heat. Now, I'm kind of curious um, about it, and I'm going to frame this as extreme weather, um, because if there's one thing I hate more than a 90 or a 95 degree day, it's a day when the high temperature is 30 below uh, and the wind chill index is 60 below, you know, those polar vortex days, I'm ready to go. I'm done. Forget it. What protections are available for outdoor workers? Uh, you know, what protections are available for construction workers, for example, working in the extreme uh, heat? But are there protections available for uh, people when we hit these extreme cold temperatures also? Great question. Um, so across the entire country, with respect to heat, there is currently no um, mandatory measures that employers have to take to protect workers in the face of extreme heat. Um, employers are supposed to provide safe working conditions, but the way that gets interpreted and implemented is left up to the discretion of the employer. So sometimes you see videos of farm workers huddled under great signs because that, you know, their employer is considering that shade. So obviously that's not sufficient to actually keep them safe. And so what we're advocating for here is that you know, there needs to be a mandatory measure on the books at the federal level, um, which the current administration is pursuing, um, which is good news. Um, we also need states to pursue that because we need state, you know, every state has a unique workforce composition. And so the protections that are in place need to reflect that. Um, so that is with respect to heat. Great question on the cold front. To be honest, I, I study heat, so I don't know about cold. <laughs> I experienced it as, as a Wisconsinite, but I, I actually am not sure what measures are out there um, specifically with respect to cold. Uh, be, you know, obviously there are, you know, there there's not as much construction work that goes on in the dead of winter. But there and but there is, especially if you have animals to feed, there is some yeah. agricultural work that does have to continue to go on regardless. Uh, mm -hmm. So that is something that's kind of interesting. Um, it's also kind of interesting because people like to make this comparison, uh, I, I guess, and as a person who... I, I guess I identify in my private life as an animal um, advocate, mm -hmm. but we do have laws on the books and we do have guidance on the books on the state level for sure about the conditions in which you can keep your dog outside. Mm -hmm. 
And so we have conditions, which is a good thing, about the conditions under which you can keep your dog outside and he has to have access to food, water, shade, and shelter. But we don't have the same kinds of protections available for our outdoor workers. Isn't that mind-blowing? I I really, that is, oftentimes when I talk about this report, I say this is about affording outdoor workers basic human rights ensuring that we have something on the books that spells out specifically in the face of extreme heat, outdoor workers need to have ready access to cool drinking water, shade, you know, necessary breaks. Sometimes, you know, they'll have water available on the work site, but it's a 20-minute walk away. And so when you have a farm worker who's paid by the amount that they pick, can they afford to take that break and walk that distance to get that water? So we need to have it where it's readily available and like you said and these are typically basic rights i mean if we're affording it to pets we should really be affording it to people too um and to your point about the cold and one other important point i think to make there is that you know when we look at how the different extremes are changing as a result of, of global warming there are fewer and fewer cold um extremes on average across the country whereas we see more and more hot extremes um, and I know, I mean, living in the upper Midwest, <laughs> we have, you know, it's hard to uh, sometimes forget those cold days in the polar vortexes. But, you know, when the reality is we see a lot of, you know, for me, it's really striking how, um, you know, it's getting colder uh, much later in the winter nowadays. Um, you know, the lakes aren't freezing at the same point that they used to. So you can, you can really see that when you think kind of back you know, 10, 20 years ago, what it used to be like. I'm curious, as you talk about encouraging some of these federal mandates, I'm curious on your take about the power structure and the and the power disparities between groups of people. Um, you've got perhaps your first responders, your medical professionals, and the kinds of adaptations that people would say, oh, absolutely, for them, would they also be inclined to extend those same protections, uh, for example, to the kinds of farm workers that you're talking about? How much of a piece of, I hate to say politics, I don't like that to be a catch-all term, I'd like to be a little more specific with it, but how much of a piece is this power differential and the value that we place on some people and some jobs above others, does that make this issue more complicated? Certainly. Um, You know, we see that there are a lot of outdoor workers, you know, where there are language and cultural barriers um, to their ability to advocate for themselves. Um, and there are outdoor workers who, you know, fear, this is very real, it's been studied, fear legal repercussions if they were to report an injury on the work site. Um, so, you know, there definitely are power differentials among, you know, um, different um, industries and different, you know, um, levels of employment and, and who's on the job. Um, so that is, is certainly a, a real thing. Um And, you know, we know that also um, outdoor workers do disproportionately identify as Hispanic, Latino, and also Black and African American in some occupations. Um, And we know that it's it's sort of unbelievable when you look at the data that individuals 
who identify as such um, are experienced um, disproportionately more heat-related deaths on the job than um, white Americans and also um, U.S. citizens um, so relative to, to immigrants. So it's really, really remarkable some of the ways that this brings out and how there are people who really are disproportionately affected. And yet we're trying to move the needle on getting people to care more about some of these populations. And, of course, then the whole issue of, you know, are you an immigrant and what color immigrant are you and are you here legally or illegally becomes an issue. And it seems like it would be really easy to get sidetracked. Will it be necessary to make some of these protections kind of universal across the board with the idea that it's going to take care of everybody then, regardless Mm -hmm. of what esteem your community does or doesn't hold you in, you're still required to do this. That is exactly the point. You know, and what we really wanted to show in this report is that this is a story that we hope everyone can see themselves in, whether you're an outdoor worker or not, because the reality is we all depend on them. (laughs) We all that gets picked by someone, you know, we all rely upon, you know, the oftentimes wood products that foresters and, you know, people who work in natural resource extraction are, you know, producing for us. So this is something that, um, you know, is really relevant to everyone. And we believe, you know, that these kinds of protections should be afforded across the board. Um, you know, again, these are this is about providing basic human rights. And there's also the employer story. You know, if you have conditions that are unsafe to work and you can't have workers doing their jobs, that's going to hit the bottom lines of employers, too. So this is this really is a, a universal story, and I appreciate you pointing that out. Rachel, thank you so very much for being our guest this morning. And we will get some information up on our website so folks can do a little bit more uh, looking into this also. Uh, Once again, thanks for joining us as our guest this morning. Thanks for having me. Take care. Rachel Licker with the Union of Concerned Scientists, our guest this morning on Green Visions here on KUMD. Green Visions on KUMD is made possible with support from Heritage Window and Door, the Duluth Superior Supplier for Renewal by Anderson Windows and Doors, and from the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future.